Welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast coming to you from Tabernacle of Praise Church International, York, South Carolina. I'm Bishop Alfred Jackson. I'm thankful that you've tuned in today. I pray that the message will bless you and impact your life in a powerful way. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the message. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. morning. I want to thank God, first of all, for allowing me to be here this morning. I want to thank God for our, our pastor, Bishop Alfred Jackson, and I uh, count it truly a privilege and an honor to be asked to stand here before you this morning. I want to give honor to our first lady, all our elders and ministers, all whom honor is due. We want to thank God for you. We want to thank God for everyone in the sanctuary this morning and everyone that will tune in online. We thank God for you this morning. Hallelujah. Uh, the Lord has been dealing with me uh, this week about the promises. And he talked about conditional and unconditional promises. And as I was studying, I realized something I'm going to share with you this morning to show you uh, why our faith should be strengthened when we come to the promises of God. Let us pray first of all. Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this day. Lord God, we uh, come before you this morning realizing that we have no message in and of ourselves, but it's the message that you give. Father, I'm here this morning as the vessel that has been asked to stand before you. Just pray, Father God, that anything you want to say, I yield myself to you this morning. Anything you want to do, Father, I yield myself unto you this morning. Let your people be blessed. As the psalmist said, let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise you. Then should our earth yield her increase. And so we pray this morning that nothing that's done in this pulpit by me this morning will hinder what you want to do. Nothing that I do or say this morning, O God, will bring a tarnish on your glory in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Have your way. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You know, he was, talking, he was singing a song, There's No God Like Jehovah. It made me think about the almighty God. I remember coming up in church, a song I used to sing, and I used to love this song. Matter of fact, I remember being a young man sitting in the Coliseum looking at the Reverend Leroy Jenkins, me and my uncle. <laughs> we caught the bus to go see him, you know. And I remember hearing this song. Oh, Lord, my God. When I'm in awesome wonder, consider all the world thy hands have made. I see the stars and I hear the roaring thunder. I pop throughout the
will come with a shout of acclamation to take me home. What joy you feel, my heart. Then I will bow in humble adoration in their proclaim. Brother Kenton was singing about the redemption of God when he come, hallelujah, coming back to get us. Hallelujah. We praise God for the hope that we have in him. Hallelujah. So I want to talk about the conditional and the unconditional promises of God. Now, as I was studying this, I said, Lord, later on in my heart, and I began to study it. It's a whole lot more than I could have said, but... Uh, I could really write a book, hallelujah, uh, based on what, where the Lord was leading me here. Uh, but the Lord uh, talked about uh, in the book of Hebrews, the 13th chapter, I think around about verse 20, uh, the, 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 the apostle writes about, write about the, uh, the blood of the everlasting covenant, right? It's a covenant that God made with Jesus in eternity past that he would redeem us, right? God knew that uh, Adam would fall. Now, I know a lot of people trying to figure out, well, if God knew that, why did he create Adam? I don't give myself a headache, you know, trying to figure that out. Uh, all I know is what the Bible tells us happened. Okay? <laughs> so I thank God that he has given uh, an eternal mandate that he would uh, actualize in time. Now, I want to draw your attention to the book of Genesis. The first promise we see was a promise that was embedded in judgment. It was unconditional, but what it was talking about or saying is that God would redeem mankind. But look what it said. Let's go to Genesis, the third, the, uh, the third chapter, verse 15. And the Lord said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And he will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. The reason I say that's a problem is because the Lord said, I will. It's unconditional. The Lord said, I'm going to do this. But it was in judgment of the serpent. But it was concerning our redemption, right? And the Lord said what he would do. Now, let's uh, fast forward, and let's go to when the Lord uh, dealt with Abraham, right? I want to go to Genesis, the 12th chapter. Starting at verse 1. So now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your family 
and from your father's house to a land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who, who I will uh, curse those who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Here again, we have now. This is conditional. The the, the, the condition was get you out of your country, right? When the Lord told Abraham, if, if you get out, this is what I'm going to do, right? So it was a conditional promise. We thank God that Abraham was obedient, but he, uh, you know, the Lord said from your father's house, he, he took his dad with him. I can understand, uh, you know, it can be tough to, to, to leave everything that you are accustomed to. Our theme this year is make application. The body of Christ is called to be a light in this world, to enlighten the dark world, which is steeped in, in or steeped or saturated in ignorance. Okay, all you got to do is just turn on social media, and you can see the ignorance that's going on in this world. I don't see people with all kind of different beliefs. I've seen some that that have over their head prove that God exists. And I'll be wanting to say, but they won't let me in because I don't have enough followers. But I'll be wanting to say, prove me that he don't. You, you know, you're trying to put the ball in our court. Talking about prove that God exists. You prove that he don't exist. It's more evident that God do exist than it is that he don't exist, right? So anyway, yeah, you see so much ignorance. This ignorance is to the things pertaining to God. Uh, fallen humanity is oblivious to the fact that their understanding of the one true God of the universe in his truth is tremendously skewed. Once Adam fell, then ignorance began to, uh, to set in, right? Over a period of time, man became ignorant of God. He just didn't know who God was. Now, uh, there is a, uh, what um, uh, uh, St. Augustine says, that there is a God-shaped void in all of our hearts that only God himself can feel, right? This is why Paul talked about how that a man search after God. If by chance he might find him, right? Because there's a God-shaped void in our hearts. In dealing with humanity in the fallen state, God made promises. To, uh, he made promises to certain individuals in certain situations to bring about his intended purposes. I find it ironic. And worth noting that the first promise we see in Scripture is an unconditional one, right? Listen, let me, let me say this before I go on. There could be no conditional promises if God hadn't given the, uh, uh, the unconditional promises, right? If God wouldn't have said, I will, then there couldn't be no conditions, you know? Uh, so God starts out with unconditional. This is going to happen. It's not predicated upon what man do. It's not predicated upon that. It's what I'm going to do. Right? Now, uh, God gave this promise in the book of Genesis, and we see that it is unfolded as we go through Scripture. Um, in response to Adam and Eve's disobedience, this is the promise God gave in judgment of the serpent. And, 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 and this was in wake of their fallen state. Adam and Eve had fallen, right? God promised to send a deliverer who would crush the head of the serpent in judgment. We know this creature in type 
to refer to Lucifer, right? Who used the body of the creature to carry out his plan of deceiving Eve into going against the commandment of God. Of, and this is what God told him, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. And in the, uh, in the Hebrew, that word is mentioned twice, is a uh, uh, muck muck. That means you're going to surely die, right? So, but when after Eve and, uh, uh, Adam and Eve fell, then that's when God uh, pronounced the, the, the judgment on the serpent. But as I said, embedded in that was promise of redemption. Now, uh, God will send this deliverer through the womb of the woman, right? So Eve still uh, had purpose, a, a major purpose in the a plan of God's redemption. We can trace from this time in scripture that God's promises made to various individuals were the motivation for them to do what was commanded. And let me go back and tell you this. The, the title of my sermon, I'm sorry, is Expectation, the Motivation to Make an Application. Expectation. You know, if we don't expect anything, we're not going to do anything. The Bible says this. This is mandatory. For with God, it is impossible. I mean, uh, 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 it is impossible to please God. You know, uh, with, I mean, um, without faith. I'm sorry. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For they that come to God, two conditions must be met. We must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. My wife often talks about me going to Walmart, you know, the store, Walmart. And the reason I go, because I think they have what I want. You know what I'm saying? So we come to God because we believe that he have what we want. But not only do we believe that, we believe that he would give it unto us. Now, if we don't believe he would give it unto us, we don't go. If we don't believe that he's going to give it unto us, we don't pray. We don't seek after God. We don't believe we're going to get it, see? If we don't believe we're going to get it, we don't do anything. So they that come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Right? Now, uh, we should notice in the account of... when God had pronounced judgment, he had redemption in mind. God at the same time demonstrated his mercy and his grace toward fallen humanity in that he promised also fallen he would send a deliverer in, uh, uh, in, uh, through the womb of a woman. Let me say this also. When God put Adam and Eve out of the garden, a lot of people wonder why he'd done that. Uh, he said that the whole man has become as one of us, and, and he talked about, um, you know, uh, everything that man would decide to do. Well, uh, this was in the Bible, but he talked about how that they knowing good and evil. Well, knowing good and evil, responsibility comes with that, right? Well, when God put him out of the garden, it's because there was two trees there. They had eaten of the forbidden tree, and had, in that state, had they eaten of the tree of life, there wouldn't have been no redemption for them. They would have been sealed in that condition. So that's why God put them out and he put a, 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 a cherubim or, or a seraphim uh, there with flaming swords to keep them out. That's the mercy of God. See, That's the mercy of God. We thank God that he put them out. Sometimes God got to put you out. <laughs> for, your own tri- uh, 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 for your own sake, he'll put you out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, 
His grace to work all of humanity, he, he promised that he would redeem humanity, and we see this unfolded all through Scripture. We see an exceeding great and precious promise that God made to Abraham, right? He gave promise to Abraham. Listen to what he said to Abraham. Uh, as this uh, uh, scripture continues to unfold, the Lord said to him, he said that this will unfold through the life of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But technically, the promise continued to unfold all through scripture, both in the Old and the New Testament. The promise that God gave Abraham, and I'm going to expound on it a little bit, the promise that God gave to Abraham, that was conditional. The first one was, uh, was conditional, but we're going to talk about the unconditional promise that God made with Abraham, right? Because he met the condition. But let me show you what the unconditional was. It was in eternity past. When God promised his son that I'm going to give you a people that I'm going to redeem through you. I'm going to give them people unto you. That's why we belong to Christ. Right? We are God's gift unto his son. The body of Christ. Now, they, uh, uh, Paul's talking about, talking about like this. Us being the bride of Christ. Y'all say, us being his bride. God promised that he would give that to Christ. And that was the first unconditional promise that God had made Christ, right? I mean, he had made about humanity. Then he came into time and he actualized it, right? He talked about redemption. After Adam and Eve fell, he talked about redemption. Now, let me add here that I think that we lose a lot of valuable lessons. And uh, if we don't take into consideration... When God made the, uh, the, the, the commands of, uh, of uh, Abraham, we lose something if we don't consider how seemingly nonsensical or, or how much it just, just didn't make sense. And I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. But Abraham kept going. He didn't lose faith. Even though he, see, he didn't try to understand what God was doing. You don't see that in Scripture. We don't know what, what's not recorded, but we know what's recorded. Abraham did not question God when God, uh, when God would ask Abraham to do a certain thing. Uh, but we lose something if we don't consider just how nonsensical it was. Although the initial promise we see in chapter was conditional. For example, listen to what God told him at first. Uh, and he was instructed to leave all that he knew in exchange for a life of being led to a land which God would show him. And Abraham was uh, pretty much like a uh, uh, um, uh, uh, nomad. I think that's the way you said it. Going back and forth, he was building tents here and there, right? Even though he was in the land of promise, it was still the promised land because it hadn't been given to him yet, right? So he had to give up uh, everything he knew, leave his father's house, leave his family, uh, you know, whatever. He, but you know that he did take his father with him and he took his nephew with him, right? So you can see that that was tough for him to do. And it would be tough for us to do. When God uh, called us out, a lot of times we do bring stuff with us that God has to separate from us before he can do what he want to do. Okay, we must keep in mind that uh, that uh, this was in, this was the, uh, a promise of the uh, of an intended land that God was going to give uh, uh, give Abraham, but it was a promise which would uh, prove to be a motivation to Abraham. Abraham kept going because uh, he believed in the promise. Now, let me share something with you here. We must believe in the character of God before we can believe what God says. 
People will believe me when they believe, you know, when they respect me. Right? If they don't respect me, they ain't believe in nothing I'll say. If, you know, uh, 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 Abraham saw something about the character of God which motivated him when God uh, gave him the command and told him what to do, right? The main promise I want to call your attention to this morning is found in the 17th chapter of Genesis where God made a promise to Abraham that was unconditional in nature. God made a covenant with him in Genesis 15, um, also after Abraham, um, after Abraham, his name at the time, had gathered the animals to be sacrificed um, as instructed by the Lord. The Lord told Abraham, Abraham asked the question, Lord, how would I know that I'm going to inherit these things? You know, the uh, whole I am seedless, you have given me no child. How would I know I would uh, inherit, inherit these things? Abraham did not express doubt about God's promise, uh, promise of giving him a seed to inherit the, 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 uh, the promise, um, the promises after him. So in, in other words, the Lord told him that it was going to be for him and his seed after him. However, but much like uh, 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 Mary, the mother of Jesus, he wondered how God would accomplish what he had spoken. Because Abraham's wife was barren. She didn't have any children. So Abraham wanted to know how this was going to happen. You know, and initially God did not tell him. You know, God will say that, that, that he's going to come from your own bow. I said this on Bible study the other night. I think sometimes we give Abraham a rough time and we talk about him going unto Hagar. Uh, 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 and, and we say, you know, uh, he didn't even hesitate and all the stuff. In. No. <laughs> if you study the culture, that's what they did. See, Israel could, could not go, uh, uh, you know, untouched by the culture around them. They, they couldn't go, right? And the thing was, if the wife was barren, she gave her handmaiden to her husband. That was the culture, right? So we want to be rough on Abraham, you know, and they, they made jokes about it, but that was the culture, right? Uh, when Abraham went home and told his wife, you know, honey, get what the Lord said to me. Uh, I'm going to have a child. So she, she, she figured, it's not going to be me. I hear people, oh, they try to help God. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Uh, she knew that she was burned. So she said, it must not be by me here. Here's my handmaid, right? That's what happened, okay? <laughs> and uh, the Bible says, once God uh, spoke to Abraham and told him that he was going to give, uh, he was going to uh, have a child, and it was going to be, it was going to come out of his bowels. The Bible says the Lord took him out and told him to look at the stars to see if he could number the stars. I'm not see if he could number. He said, if you can number the stars, so shall you see me, right? And the Bible said this point: Abraham believed in the Lord, and he was, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. He believed in the Lord. Okay, so in other words, what God had told him, Abraham believed. That was an a, 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 a unconditional promise. God told Abraham, this is what I'm going to do. Right? Unconditional promise. In other words, Abraham believed that God was able to accomplish what he had promised. In, in Romans, the fourth chapter, verse 18, Paul said that Abraham believed in the hope, even though the situation was hopeless. Sometimes we don't stop to think about that. It's just that he didn't see no way it was going to happen. But he had a promise. I mean, how could he? You know, right now we'll read back in the scripture and we'll be saying, oh man, I can't believe that he, he didn't believe. I can't believe. Put yourself in his position. Your wife burned, and the Lord untold you, I'm going to give you a son. Right? And to add, to add to it, he was old. But he didn't put his faith in Sarah's dead womb. 
and he didn't put his faith in his dead, uh, you know, his body was, was old. You know, uh, it has ceased to be able to do what it should do then in order to have children. But the Lord told Abraham, this is what I'm going to do for you, right? And the Bible said Abraham believed the Lord, and it was, it was, uh, it was, Accounting to him for righteousness. Yet he believed that he would become the father of many nations, right? This is what he believed. This was the gospel Abraham believed. It wasn't just Isaac. God told Abraham that you're going to be the father of many nations. The Bible said God preached the gospel unto Abraham. What was the gospel? In these, all nations be blessed. The gospel. And Abraham believed that, right? And it was imputed unto him for righteousness. Right? So he believed what God would do and that God could do it, right? Okay, so God told him that his seed would be as numerous as the sand of the seashore and as the stars in the heaven. Paul goes on to say that Abraham was not weak in faith. He did not measure what God had promised in light of his aging body, nor against the deadness of Sarah's womb. He measured what God had promised against the character of God. Let me say it again. He measured what God had promised against the character of God. See, when we don't know God, this is where we mess up. We don't know him, and we try to believe what he says. So when it don't happen a lot of times, what we will do is pull back because we don't know him. I often tell people, I've been married to my wife going on 24 years. I think it might be 24. And I'll be, I'll be telling people, if you come to me, if I'm in another, another country, right? I mean, even another state, for instance, and you come to me and say, Cheryl said such and such. I know her. I'm going to know what sounds like her. You know what I'm saying? Now, if you come tell me something that's off the wall, Cheryl said, go jump in the lake. I mean, that might be true. She might have said that. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I'm getting on the phone and call and say, hey, hon, do you see that? <laughs> but, but once you get to know a person, you know their character, right? And so you measure what they say by their character. Let me say this. Even in the church, when we're having bad days and you come talk to somebody and they may snap at you a little bit, but you know them, right? You, you just know that they're having a bad day. You give them that space. And when time is right, you go and you try to comfort them, right? Not falling out with them because some people have bad days, right? But you got to know their character, and so you have to measure by what's going on by their character. Well, this is what Abraham done with God. He measured by what he measured what God had promised, uh, you know, according to his character. Um, you see, uh, you don't have to believe what a person says without. Uh, believe, or you can't believe what a person says without believing in the truthfulness of that person. Whether it's a promise of blessing or a promise of judgment, right? Uh, if the promise, if the person can't lie, and their character, if they can't lie, if they say, I'm going to bust your head, you better believe it. And God told Satan, I'm going to crush your head. Believe it. Satan believed it, right? <laughs> this is why when Jesus come on the scene, are you come, uh, are you come to uh, uh, torment us before the time? <laughs> you know, because they knew that their time was coming. God had promised that it would happen, and the God who cannot lie, they knew that it was going to happen. Right? The Lord has said that He would do it. Now, uh, it's the validity of the person that precedes the validity of what the person says. In Romans twenty, 
In, in, verse, in the 21st of Romans 4, we read that Abraham did not stagger at the promises, at the promise of God through unbelief. Now, uh, this the promise that God had told him, that he's an unconditional promise, where God had told him he would be the father of many nations, right? But prior to that, it was conditional promise for Abraham to, to, to leave and separate himself, uh, himself from uh, what he knew. You know, and God was going to give him a new life, right, and do a new thing through him, right? The Bible says that Abraham did not stagger at the promise of God through unbelief, but he grew strong in faith because he was fully convinced that what God had promised he was able to perform. The Bible says even his wife received strength in her womb to be able to conceive because she counted him faithful who had promised. See, we got to understand that there are some promises that God has made, and one is he would redeem mankind. That's a promise God made, right? And when God made that promise, everything now is predicated upon the promise God has made. Then we can go back into eternity past and look at the fact that God made a promise to Christ, right, that he would redeem mankind. Let the redeemer of the Lord say, so raise your hand. All right. So God made a promise that he was going to redeem you. Not only redeem you, but he was going to bring you unto glory through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a promise that God made. And so everything we do should be based upon the promise that God has made. I'm a redeemed man. Right? I'm a redeemed man. Right? And so uh, God uh, told Abraham that he would have descended. Therefore, the healing part of what God promised was restoration to Israel. Now, on the natural, it was to Israel. He was going to bring Israel back. But Israel was just a type, if you will, of what God was going to do throughout through all of humanity. Because Genesis 3.15, I don't care how they try to uh, fix it, and they try to say that it was, you know, God was thinking about Israel then. I, you know, uh, um, I can't really say he wasn't, but I doubt it. Because uh, in Genesis 3.15, uh, uh, Israel was not there. God was talking about humanity. He was talking about all of humanity, who, uh, what he would do. So he did not need, uh, Abraham did not need a person to promise. All he needed was faith in God's provision, right? And so the, 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 uh, the, the promise, he didn't need it, but he understood that God wanted to do something and using him to do it, right? We see after the, uh, Jesus asked the man, let's go down to, uh, uh, so I, I, I drew your attention to, to Abraham, but let's come to the New Testament, right? And I want to talk about a situation, and this was a command Jesus gave, and the healing was based on the condition that the man had to do, right? The man had to do it, but it was still under the umbrella of the unconditional promises of God. See what I'm saying? There's an umbrella of the unconditional, and then under there, there's a lot of things fall there, you know, which are conditional. Listen to this. That was, that, um, that was a similar uh, account like this. Oh, there are similar accounts like this, God making promises sprinkled all through Scripture. But uh, right now, I want to turn your attention to John 5th chapter, to the account of the man that was crippled. At the pool of Bethesda. Although this man was not given uh, a person a promise concerning uh, his getting healed, he was a descendant of Abraham, and Abraham had a covenant, did he not? 
And God had uh, made promise to Abraham. But Abraham's covenant actually falls under the eternal covenant that God had made with Christ, right? God was working out his plan in time, right? And so let's uh, look at this. Although this man was not given the promise that I just said, he was the sinner of Abraham, and, and therefore his healing was part of the promised restoration of Israel. Remember when, when God said about certain people, uh, she is a daughter of Abraham, Right? That means she had a right to heal him because the promise God had made to Abraham. But don't y'all know that God has made promises to Christ about you and me? And we have a right to heal him because the promise God had made to Christ? Right? You know, uh, 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 we have a right to uh, 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 peace of mind because the promise God has made to our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? We have a right to it. So this is this. We see that after Jesus asked the man, did he want to be whole? And this is what I noticed. Instead of answering Jesus' question, it seemed that the man was so rehearsed and telling people why he wasn't healed yet. How many of us are like that? So rehearsed and telling people why it hasn't happened. Right? Um, it could be argued that the man had lost all hope in getting help to get into the pool before someone else beat him there. We could just listen to what the man said to Jesus, when the water's troubled, I have no man to put me into the pool. Now think about this. He yet was placed by the pool, but he said that when the pool is troubled, I have no man. Right? So even though he had no man, he still had a faded hope. Hope was fading, but he still went just in case something could happen, right? He didn't know how it would happen, but he knew that uh, when God was, and, and, and other people try to say, well, that water really, really wasn't troubled by the angels. Why would the gospel writer put it there if it wasn't true? There are certain seasons the angel came down and troubled the water, and whoever jumped in first got healed. We just have to believe that, right? But this man, he, was, he kept going, although he had no one to put him into the water, right? Uh, it should not be a shock to us that this man's condition, uh, this man, of uh, this man's condition, uh, after 38 years, that he's lost confidence. Some of us, it don't even take 38 years, right? <laughs> to lose confidence. You know, when you go through long enough, sometimes, man, you lose hope. You lose hope, Right? But uh, we have to think back as to what God has promised us, right? So this man had lost confidence. Now, I stated earlier that this man did not have a personal promise like Abraham, but because he was descendant of Abraham, Jesus came to his aid. Now, we should take notice that Jesus commanded the man to rise, right? He had to rise first. Then take up your bed and go into your house. So he gave the man a command. It was conditional for his healing. Rise. Take up your bed. Now suppose the man said, I can't rise. You wouldn't have got your healing. So there are promises in the word of God that God has given us that are conditional, but if we meet the conditions, they're going to happen because God cannot lie because of the unconditional promise that everything falls under. And that's the promise that he made to our Lord Jesus Christ. 
unconditional promise. And everything is predicated upon that promise. So I have a right to the tree of life. I constantly say this to myself, as he is, so am I in this world. That's what the Bible tells us about ourselves, right? As he is, so am I in this world. Is Jesus sick? Is Jesus in heaven right now coughing? <coughs> no. Do Jesus have arthritis? Boy, that, that, that is so faint. Do Jesus have arthritis? Well, do we have a right to get healed from arthritis? As he is, so am I. And this way, I belong to him, and God made the promise to him. I'm married to him, right? So I benefit from the promise that God made to him. But it is conditional. First of all, I got to come. But they that, you know, they that come to God, let's talk about prayer. You come to God in prayer, do you not? They that come to God. Let's talk about fasting. You come to God in fasting, do you not? Let's talk about dancing. You come to God in dancing. Now, you should never be dancing just to show off. And I've seen people do that. They got all kinds of things that they do. I mean, uh, some of it cute now, and, and for the longest, we enjoyed it. But, you know, sometimes when they get too, you know, too creative, it's okay. They, they're in the flesh. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> but we're supposed to be coming to God, do we not? When we're praising God, when we're singing, are we not coming to God? Well, they that come to God must believe that he is. So why are we singing? Because we believe that he is. And we believe he is the reward. Well, what is the reward in the sanctuary? That God is going to manifest his presence in his house. That we are going to get whatever God has promised to give us, right? Whether it's peace, whether it's healing, whatever we need, God will give it unto us. So we come we sing, we dance, we pray, we do all of that in our approach to God. But they that come to God must believe that he is. So are you singing, believing that he is? Right? So we come to God. Now, we in the New Testament, the New Testament saints, according to the Apostle Peter, listen to this. And it's in 2 Peter, the first chapter, we have been given what he calls exceedingly great and precious promises which promises that we would be partakers, oh my God, of the divine nature. Marinate on that for a second. Promises that we would be partakers of the divine nature. Escaping the, the, the lust, I mean the, the, the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, that came through Eve, but we escaped that because we have been given, the, 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 we have been made partakers of the divine nature. How many of you know that you have, uh, 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 you are a partaker of the divine nature? You know, do you ever think about that? You know, it's almost like that song, why should I be discouraged? <laughs> you know, why should a, a sorrows come? I think that's how it goes, you know. Uh, why? Why? Especially in the light of these promises that God has made. Why? Why should I get discouraged? You may get discouraged, but you have to say, uh, so be encouraged. Because the Lord has said, right? Satan comes to discourage us, right? He will come to discourage us. But we have to go to what the Lord has said. If God be for us, who 
can be against us. You know, Paul didn't say what. He said who. So you're talking about anything Satan has. Right? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Let me show you what that means in the Greek text. It means a creature that never existed before. So if you never existed before, right, and you're in a state that never existed before, Satan don't know what to do. He don't know what to do with you. So he want to deceive you because he know that you will evolve. You eventually grow into something that's going to be a threat to his kingdom. <laughs> so he's going to try to come against you with deception because he don't know what to do with you. Is any man being Christ? He is a new creature, a new, a new creature. Satan never seen that before. He's never seen a Warren, that Warren Hoskins, that is totally uh, uh, yielded unto the Lord and what the Lord can do. do he don't want to see that. He don't want to see uh, 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 Sister Gordon totally surrendered unto the Lord. Why? Because he knows that she can be something that would, that someone that would be a threat to his kingdom. He don't know what she would be, but he knows she's going to be powerful. He don't want to see Brother Kitten totally surrendered unto the Lord. Why? Because he know Brother Kenton would be a threat. Right? Or anyone in here, he don't want to see us totally surrendered. So that's why he's going to try to hinder us because he know we have promise. Jesus has made a promise unto us. God has made a promise to us through Christ. Now listen to this right here. Now Peter said that we have exceeding great and precious promises. Which promises uh, that, that, that we have been made partakers of the divine nature? Peter, Peter goes on to say we escape the corruption that is in the world through lust, uh, through the divine nature which has been imparted unto us. But he did not stop here. He implied that in order for us to make application, and even though we have been given exceeding great and precious promises, that we will be partakers of the divine nature. And then the writer of Hebrews said, we are made partakers if we hold fast the profession of our confidence steadfast unto the end. We are made partakers, right? So in other words, we have the promise of being made partakers, but it's conditional. It is conditional. The amount of our partaking of the divine nature is, is conditional, right? You say, well, I have everything I need. You do, right? But your growth is conditional. If you don't put forth effort, you won't grow. Remain in the same state, saved, but a baby. Been in church 30 years, but you're a baby. Because you don't know the character of God. You don't know how to believe God because you don't know him. And the Lord said this. He said, the time will come that uh, it would not say, uh, you know, that uh, every, uh, man will be taught by his name. I'm paraphrasing. He said, for they shall all be taught of me. God is the one that do the teaching, but we got to yield ourselves. We yield ourselves and God teaches us. God, uh, uh, he, he grows us when we yield ourselves, right? If we, if, if we follow that, that, the parable Jesus gave of, of, about the bond, right? He told the disciples, behold, you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. So the word of God is what does the cleansing. But it's word that you apply to your life. It's the word that you make application with. If you don't make application with that word, guess what? The life of God cannot flow in you and through you. If I don't make application in the word of God, right? Doing what the Lord said about me, who I am. 
then God cannot make proper application through me. As I said, Peter did not stop there. Uh, he said that, that, that uh, we need to give the uttermost persistence to adding the godly attributes listed in, in verses 5 through 7. Giving all diligence to add to your faith virtue. Right? That means moral uprightness. Okay? Let me turn that. I want to make sure that I read it right. He said, given all diligence that we should add to our faith. Right? We should add to our faith. Now, the thing is, if, we adopt, if we're not adding, see, God multiplies, but we have to add. If there is no addition, there is no multiplication. We have to add and God multiplies, right? Now, he, he goes on to say that, um, and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance. Think about this now. More moral uprightness, right? Mm. Knowledge, knowledge of God, right? So why would he put moral, moral uprightness first? Because in order for us to learn of God, in order for the Holy Spirit to be able to teach us, we have to have moral uprightness. In other words, how do you do, uh, do things? What is the condition of your heart when you do it? You can be working at the homeless shelter, but if you're doing it to be seen, you're, moral, you're not morally upright. If you're doing things to be seen of people, it's not morally upright. Why? Because you should be doing it before the Lord. We should be doing it before God, right? And for, God's, uh, 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 you know, and for God to see and not for anyone else to see, right? And they say, and, and to knowledge we add temperance, self-control. Listen to how these go. We add temperance. Into temperance, we add patience. Look at that. Before all, before patience, you have all this. You have moral uprightness. You have knowledge. You have self-control. Then you have patience. See, a lot of times we're praying for patience, but we have, we're not willing, willing to do the others. Moral uprightness, learn who God is. Learn about the redemptive plan of God, right? Right? And then self-control, being able to control yourself. I can't help myself. You're in trouble. <laughs> okay, and then they talk about to patience, right? And to patience, godliness. Patience. In other words, being able to wait on the Lord and be a good Christian. So if we come to God believing that he is and that he is a rewarder, then we're going to be able to wait. Because, listen, if I go to Walmart, right, it's like, you know, and I'm talking about Walmart, I hope, you know, I won't get in trouble building them up. I'm not trying to build them up. I, that's just where I go, right? If I go to Walmart and the door is closed, right, they're, they're closed, and I got there a couple minutes early, I'm going to stay there. Why? Because I, I believe that they're going to open. So if God haven't given it to you yet, you believe that he's going to give it to you, you wait, right? Let me tell you something I was thinking about when I was coming to church. I thought about this here. I said, if we've been seeking God for something, we don't know where it is as we're praying. We don't know where it is. We don't know if it's a mile away, or we don't know if it's just around the corner, right? We, we don't know. Now, I'm talking about spiritually. We don't know if it's a mile away or it's just around the corner. Now, just suppose it's just around the corner. Suppose you've been praying, you've been waiting on God, it's just around the corner, and you give up. Right? It's just around the corner. But, but you give up. 
I thought about that. I said, we don't know where it is, but if we have confidence that, that God is sending or giving us what we ask for, then we will wait patiently for it, right? We are going to get it, right? And so I say, godliness into godliness, brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness, being able to be kind to your brothers, and let me add to that, your sisters. Brotherly kindness. So, see, a lot of times we're trying to do some of these things, but we haven't done the things that precede the things that we're trying to do. So, in other words, we got to have godliness before we can have brotherly kindness. Mm. Yep. Used to wear, they, they, I didn't wear one, but they used to have the, the wristband, what would God do? I mean, I mean, that's a cute saying. <laughs> what would God do? And you wore a uh, band, but did you think about it when, when situations arose? Did you think about, hmm, what would God do in this situation? You know, a lot of times we may have a tag on our car, but do we ask ourselves when the, when, when, when the times get tough, do we ask ourselves what would God do? I know sometimes initially I don't. I have to uh, first of all recover. So a lot of times it's a shock when it happens. I say, what in the world is this? Look what's going on, right? But I have to, uh, you know, gather myself together and I have to realize that I got to wait on God. Right? It's not easy. But God has given us an eternal promise through the Lord Jesus Christ. And he has conditional promises. We were talking about giving this morning, right? The Lord said, bring you all the time into the storehouse. Now, I know that's Old Testament, so please do not throw rocks at me. Uh, some of you uh, uh, social media theologians, uh, do not throw, throw rocks at me. Uh, I know that those, that's Old Testament, but let me tell you something. When Abraham tithed, he was not under the Mosaic law. It was a custom that they'd done back in the day. Abraham, uh, when Melchizedek came, Abraham honored God through Melchizedek by giving a tenth of everything he had uh, gathered uh, from the battle. He gave a tenth of it, right? Gave a tenth. Didn't pay. Right, right. Who was he paying? What was he buying? See, when you are paying, you, it's implying that you're buying something. Right. And for the longest we have used those terms, paying your tithe. Well, what you buying? You come and give your tithe. Then it's a gift. See, because I give, when I give, I give the gift. Right. I'm not paying. If I gave a gift to my wife and I tell her I'm giving you this, you know, because I'm paying for your love. Now they told a long time ago, some of y'all, you know, a little older and older I am, say, uh, can't buy your love. You know, money can buy you a lot of things, but it can't buy you love. Love is a decision somebody has to make, right? Amen. And so God loves us, right? He made the decision to love us. And he loves us, right? So we come and we honor him by giving him our time, right? But this is what we do. God has made promise to us that if we meet certain conditions, but it's under the umbrella of the unconditional promises, but if we meet the conditions of the promises he has made under that, then the Lord will bless us, right? And uh, 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 listen to what Peter said. He said, in doing these things that I just listed here, that I, uh, uh, that I uh, read here, he said, in doing this, he stated, we would neither be barren, talking about a tree or not being able to give birth, anything that's not producing, nor will we be unfruitful. In other words, neither will we be barren. And when we 
do bear fruit. You know, right now out there, because we have an early spring, you see things right now there in the baby stage, but they're coming out. Some of them coming out early, and they're going to suffer tonight because it's going to freeze. But uh, uh, <laughs> it's in the baby stage, but sometimes we can stop there, right? We stop because we see fruit. It's beginning to pop out. But guess what? If we don't bring it to completion, we are unfruitful. Who goes to an apple tree just to get an apple about this big? You're not doing that. You're going to wait till that thing get big enough. And then that's when you'll go, you, you go pull it. Well, that's being fruitful when the thing comes to full growth. It's fruitful, right? So Peter say we will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of God, right? And of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But he said that if you lack these things, you will be short-sighted, or we will be short-sighted, let me add me in there, and even to blindness. And listen to this, and you will behave. We behave in a manner indicating that we have forgotten that we were cleansed from our old sins. Now, when I read that last night, that's the first time it stuck out to me because it seems like you say you've forgotten that you were cleansed from your old sin. That means that you are still doing what you used to do. And if you're still doing what you used to do, but you are a born-again believer, you're going to be under the cloud of condemnation. Go to Romans, the seventh chapter, you'll see what I'm talking about. That man in Romans, the seventh chapter, whether it was Paul or whoever he was talking about, that man was under condemnation. Oh, wretched man that I am, who should deliver me from this body of death? So in other words, he saw sin killing him. Bringing them down, right? And he cried out, oh, wretched man that I am. So if you are living according to the sins that you did before you got saved, you're still doing them. The Bible says you have forgotten, we have forgotten that we have been cleansed from our old sins. I thought that as I was running, Peter said, from your old sins. So that means you're still doing it. We conclude that in order to make proper application of God's word, we must first, listen to this, we must believe in the character of God. We got to believe that God is who he said he is, right? We have to believe that he's the God who cannot lie, not that he don't lie. Because that implies that he can if you want to. No, God cannot lie. So if God said he's going to do it, he's going to do it. The ball now is in our court. What are you going to do about it, right? We must believe in the word of God even when, it, when we don't understand the why and the how. When God has, uh, has impressed upon our heart to do certain things, we don't understand why and how. I often tell people when I got hurt on the job and I got my hand caught in that machine, prior to that, God had given me about five healing scriptures, and I didn't understand why. And as I was working, about a couple of days later, my hand got stuck between two rollers, and it had pretty much crushed my hand. Right? They call ahead to the hospital and say, get, get the trauma uh, 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 situation ready because we think he's going to lose his hand. But God had given me those healing scriptures. And while I was laying there on the table, 
I asked my wife, we haven't been too long gotten married, and I asked her, sweetheart, do you have your Bible? And she said, yes. She pulled the Bible out, and I called those scriptures. I could remember them. That's how I knew that God wanted me to remember them. I could remember them verbatim in my head. I called the scriptures out to her, and God healed me right there on the table. Now, uh, 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 he didn't put skin on my hand, right? But they saw my, my hand came back to its form, right? And, and then when they did the x-rays, all I had was a, a, a fractured fingertip. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, God knew, and I wish I, I understood why didn't God stop it. He didn't stop it, but he prepared me for it. Right? Okay, so we must believe that he is. Remember what God told him, and Abraham, I want you to offer up your son, your only son, right? Didn't make sense. But the Bible says Abraham went on and did it, right? He was getting ready to sacrifice his son, right? And Paul said that Abraham believed in the character of God so much that, well, the, the, the writer of Hebrews uh, said uh, God, uh, Abraham believed in the character of God so much the way uh, he was going to slay the son, but he believed that God was going to raise him up even after he slew him and say that he received him back in a figure. In other words, God seen it in Abraham's heart. Abraham had already killed his son. According to God, he, he had killed his son. God saw it in Abraham's heart. Abraham was going to do it. So when God... Uh, told Abraham, don't lay your hand on, on, on the boy. Then the Lord said, now nah, I know. Ooh. See, we have to actualize some stuff. We have to do some stuff. We have conditions that we have to meet. Even when it don't make sense, we got conditions we have to meet. And if we don't meet those conditions, God can't do what he want to do. But if God give us a condition, guess what? He's going to, he's doing it for a reason. And he's going to fulfill it based on the unconditional promise of God. Now listen to what God, uh, uh, to the crippled man by the pool of Bethesda. Listen to Rise. Rise. I've been in this state for 38 years. But Jesus told the man to rise. Right? The man, although he was, you know, telling Jesus why he hadn't been healed, when Jesus said rise, he did rise. And the Bible said he was healed. And he got up and took up his bed and he went home, right? So here is God telling us to do stuff that don't make sense. Well, on the sense, on, on the surface, it don't make sense. And sometimes God would do some things in our lives that don't make sense. He'll let some things come in our lives that don't make sense. Lord, if you love me, why? Right? To the saints of this day in time, with so many distractions added to our faith, it's often a difficult endeavor. However, we see by the two accounts I mentioned in Scripture, the promise that God made to Abraham, which was first conditional, and then he made unconditional promise to Abraham, and, and a man by the pool, right? Jesus, it wasn't a promise that, that, that the man had, right? But because the man was a seed of Abraham, see, ooh, he was a seed of Abraham. Well, do I need a direct promise from God? No. I am married to Christ. So all I got to do is be obedient. Rise. Take up your bed and walk. Right? Do something that's impossible to do. And the Bible said that he filled our faith with the things we do. When we do it, God fills that faith with power. That's in the book of 2 Thessalonians. He fills it with power, but it's not until we do, we take the step. Peter, 
Lord, if, you, if that's you, command me to come to you on the water. Come. The Bible did say Peter walked. He just got distracted. Ooh, how many times we get distracted in this world today? There are so many distractions today. Our parents didn't have the distractions that we have. Grandma didn't have the distractions we have. We got the internet, and we can get on there, and we can see what's going on around the world. Right? We have television. Back in the day, we had three stations, I think. And then eventually we got four. But now you got, you got man, you can stay all day watching television. It's a distraction because it's going to take away from your time because you're distracted, right? There are many distractions. But it's, God does not ask us to do something because it can be done apart from faith. Faith in him and faith in his word is what we have to have. Faith in him and faith in what he said, whether to us individually or collectively, right? We know that God has given us a promise and we fulfill that promise. But he don't give, he don't ask us to do something because it's easy. If it's easy, everybody be doing it. But God asks us to do something because in and of ourselves it is impossible to do. But God the Bible says, now he don't tempt us, but he will test us. He will allow us to be tested, right? And when God allows us to be tested, it's so, I heard somebody say this, and I'm closing. They say that you cannot smell the fragrance of an orange until you squeeze it. The Bible talks about the sweet aroma that God gets from us, right? <laughs> you cannot really smell the aroma of the fruit until you cut into it. And then you smell the aroma, see? So sometimes God has to bruise us to be able to get the glory out of our lives. That's in this world, in this life, sometimes in order to be able to get the, the glory out of our lives, we wonder, Lord, why is this happening to me? But God has given promise that it won't kill us. And even if we do leave this earth because of it, we know that God has made promise that we will be with Christ throughout eternity. So we are under the umbrella of the promises of God. Right? Wherever you go, you have those promises in your life. Whether they are conditional or unconditional, you have the promises. In the condition, as I said, they come because of the unconditional. We must have a righteous expectation to motivation, to our motivation of making application. In other words, doing what God has said. We have to uh, expect something from God. We have to expect if we're going out to win souls, if we're going out to be a, 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 a picture of Christ in the earth, we have to expect the whole. See, I can't represent Christ in and of myself. The Holy Spirit has to represent Christ in me. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. So the Holy Spirit represents Christ in me, so I'm being able to actualize or make application of the Word of God because of the Holy Spirit in me, right? And taking advantage of the promises. We must remember, as Bishop Jackson stated last Sunday, we have moved into the neighborhood where we are intended to have our righteous impact through making application, right, of the Word of God. But we first got to believe God. We got to know what God has promised. We have to realize that God made an unconditional promise. The first promise in Scripture we see is the promise that he made concerning our redemption. He told Satan, I'm going to bust your head. I'm going to crush your head. 
<laughs> right? And Jesus got bruised. Uh-oh. If Jesus got bruised, Paul got bruised, what about you and I? Do we lose faith in the promises of God because we get bruised? Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm not saying it's easy to say. God don't tell us to do anything because it's easy. He tells us to do something so he can get the glory out of our lives. God want to do something in us, and he allow us to be bruised sometimes. I don't like it. I wish I had a say. I could raise my hand and say, Lord, you know, yeah, that's what you want to do. But do you mind changing that a little bit? I don't have a say in the matter. Whatever God allows, uh, you know, I just have to be all right with it. But I can't lose my faith. I can't slack up, right? Now, I've learned this over a period of time. Saying I'm not saying something because it's easy. I'm saying I've learned that I cannot slack up. I learned that in order for God to do what he want to do through me, I've got to be steadfast. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, your labor is not in vain. We have to remain steadfast because God has promised unto us through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank God this morning, as I said, for Bishop Jackson. We thank God for allowing me to be here tonight, I mean today. Um, <laughs> we thank God for our uh, kind of uh, privilege, uh, privilege of uh, being able to be in here and to be able to speak unto you the word of God. Uh, I want to... Uh, Open the altar this morning, uh, whether it's the altar in your living room, right? If you're looking online, whenever you look at this, you don't have to be in the sanctuary. It's good that you are in the sanctuary because you have the saints behind you to help motivate you. But even when you're by yourself, if the Holy Spirit has moved upon your heart and you want to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning, and let me tell you something, it is worth receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior. You won't know what it's like until you come in, right? Amen. You can look at it from the outside. You can criticize it, whatever you want to do. But just like that tabernacle, when you looked at it from the outside, it wasn't a pretty thing. But when you went on the inside, you were blown away, right? Same thing about Christ. On the outside, you know, you may say, oh, those Christians, blah, 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 you know, but come on in. Come on in and see what God We'll do and see what God is like. Amen. So we want to invite you to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you want to receive Christ, we ask that you will repeat with me. Father God, I believe that you sent your son to die for my sins. I acknowledge, Lord, that I am a sinner. I confess my sins. Oh, God, uh, uh, that they are covered in the blood of Christ Jesus, never to be remembered again. I received Jesus as my Lord. I believe that you raised him from the dead and that he is seated at your right hand. Father God, I ask you to receive me based on the promises that you made to Christ. Receive me. I believe that I am saved. I am a child of yours. In Jesus' name we pray. I pray that you've been blessed by the message. And if you have, write to us. Let us know 
how this message has impacted your life. Or if you've made a decision for Christ today to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, write to us and let us know that as well and give us your information so that we can follow up with you. You may write to us at Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. That's Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. Give us your email address or a way to contact you so that we can follow up with you. Also, we would like for you to sow into this ministry. If you've been blessed by this work, by the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel, and you would like to help further this cause, we're not just preaching here in the United States. We are preaching around the world. Through this podcast, our messages are being heard in many places around the world. We are actively working in eight countries in the world on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the expanding of the kingdom of God. If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Continue to pray with us and for us as we continue to spread this gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. God bless you.